What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It is another crossover podcast. Dallas versus Los Angeles means hoop ball Clippers and hoop ball Mavs meet just like the Mavs and Clippers did in game number two and the Mavs even up the series at one apiece after Clippers fans were laughing just one night ago when the Lakers lost to Portland. Well, what do you know? Number seven seed Dallas knocks off the number two seed Los Angeles Clippers 127 to 114. Lawrence Brooks is the man in charge of Hoop Ball Mavs. Lawrence, man. Wow. Uh, basically a dose of their own medicine thrown back right at them to start as Dallas went on that big 15-2 to two start and didn't really look back, man. What are your first impressions coming off that game? Um, I think first impression is just I, I, I love the way Dallas responded to the first game. I think in the first game, it couldn't have started any worse for them, looking like a team that hasn't been in the playoffs. And then for them to bounce back in this game and really kind of punch the Clippers in the mouth, so to speak, they came out and made a statement early, and that energy just kind of, you know, just carried them throughout the game. They had some highs and lows, but they never got too down to the point to where it, it was doom and gloom. They kind of had a steady they had a steady presence about themselves the whole game, and so that was encouraging to see. It's really hard to tell with this series, man. You you can look at this series and understand any outcome, really. I mean, the same thing with Portland Lakers. You have Portland, a team that's completely – that has all the momentum on their side and just completely in sync, while you look at this series, and Dallas has historically the best offensive rating of any team in NBA history, and so – Clippers fans, including myself, wanted Dallas because of what the Clippers did to Dallas during the regular season. And this is a different Dallas team. I don't know what went wrong for the Clippers today that somehow didn't go wrong during the regular season. I mean, we'll talk about it, but it just seems like this was a different Clippers team and this was a different Mavericks team. I mean, Seth Curry was a plus 30 in this game, man, a plus 30. Normally you're used to the Clippers having the X factor off the bench, but man, today it was all about Seth Curry. Yeah. I mean, for all our listeners that, that listen to our first crossover pod, you, you, you posed the question, you know, who's a surprise person or something unsuspected we could see or hear from or look forward to, to tuning into for this series. And I, I said, Seth Curry, he is a big factor because he's a big shot maker. Um, he's one of the leading three-point percentage guys in the NBA, so he can make shots at a high rate, and he can and he can generate offense for you. And so, a, a guy like that, um, you know, he's he's definitely we're not going to mistake him for Lou Will, but he just has to be Lou Will like for four games. And and in this bubble, anything goes because there's no 
they're they're not playing it. They're not playing in the Staples Center. I mean, it, it's in the bubble where it's a neutral site. The gym is really friendly to shooters, and I, I think that benefits the the Mavs because, like we said, their offense is what's going to keep them in most games. I mean, somebody's going to make shots. They keep the floor spread, and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous combination considering the environment that they're playing in right now. Dallas shot fifty percent. 13 of 29 from three, that's 45%. I mean, those are some incredible numbers right there. And then also, you look at the turnovers. Luka had 11 by himself last game. As a team today, Dallas had nine. Luka had one. I mean, Dallas just made every single adjustment you could make. And give them credit. I I understand you can look at it and say, well, they they couldn't miss. Dallas was creating a lot of open shots, and they seemed to have the Clippers' defense on skates all game. Yeah, and um, and Doc Rivers in the game, you know, he, he made an interesting uh, – he had an interesting soundbite as they interviewed him, I think, going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think the question was posed something along the lines of, you know, do they want to do some defensive coverages with Luka? And he says, based on their defensive scheme, they don't target players because it gets them out of rhythm um, defensively with their rotations. And so that's music to Luca's ears because as we've seen the first two games, nobody can stay in front of him. And so if he can continue to get in the lane and make guys have to commit and he can find open shooters, that's just a bonus for the Mavericks. I think they will have to, I think, push come to shove. I think Doc Rivers will at least have to consider blitzing screens and making him pass out of double teams to make Dallas just do something different because as it stands, um, you, we see they can make shots, and, and tonight they were, you know, they were white hot. But this is also not an aberration. This is what they customarily have done throughout the year. They make shots, and so tonight is just an example of what they can do if they can keep the turnovers to a minimum. And here's the issue, though: you send a second defender at Luca when they cross half court, and Luca passes the ball, and Dallas finds the open man, and. and that's one thing with Dallas is they're such a good three-point shooting team and such a good offensive team. It really is pick your poison. And the Clippers today, they they tried to limit Luka as much as possible. He only had 17 shots, 8 of 17. I mean, that's not a ton of shots. Got to the line 12 times, 8 for 12. Didn't have a triple-double, but still had 28 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. But the, the one thing, Lawrence, is you just look at the look at the bench. Trey Burke, 7 for 11. Seth Curry, 6 for 9. Boban, 6 for 8. Those three guys combined to go 19 for 28. You're not winning a game when the Dallas Mavericks bench is better than yours. Absolutely, 100%. And we talked about this in the in the first crossover pod as well. We talked about the bench scoring favoring the LA Clippers. And if they don't win, if they don't win the bench battle, that is that's also just another plus for the Mavericks. I mean, at this point, you know, with the rosters being the way they are and, and the Clippers being the clear favorite in, in that regard, the only thing that the Mavericks can do is try to pick up on these these other loose categories that can get them a win here and there. And, you know, tonight it was bench scoring and, you know, keeping turnovers to a minimum. Next game, it could be Luka and KP, you know, just combining for a mammoth game. So, you know, with like I say, again, with it being in the bubble, this NCAA-style tournament have you, they, these are these are the type of problems that you can face because not every night is it going to be something you know like tonight it was bench scoring. It could be something very different the next. They they have two legit stars that can win a game, 
And tonight it was you can arguably say it was the bench. Now let's see if KP has a game in him or Luca has a game in him. Clippers could be in trouble. All right, before we continue, we got to tell you that support for Hoop Ball is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments, provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I know we talked about it last time, Lawrence, but man, I got that Lawnmower 3.0. They just released this new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. And by the way, you can we talk about how you can use it below the belt. You can use it above the belt too, man. This is, this is quite the trimmer. <laughs> For me, the thing that I love the most is just the fact that I can trust that when I'm bringing something down there, I'm probably not going to cut myself. I'm not using scissors. That's the one thing that I like most about it. Yeah, and, and for me, what I like most about it is that you can use it in the shower. So that means you don't have to be in, you don't have to do anything outside the shower and then hop in the shower. You can get everything done at one time and be done with it. It doesn't get much better than that. One-stop shop. There you go. Water-resistant technology. Also, they've got that LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. We want you to get your lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code HOOPBALL20. So one thing about this game that really stood out, obviously, is the Clippers didn't have Pat Beverly. And we've seen time and time again this year that when the Clippers don't have Pat Beverly, they really struggle defensively. And I, I've said all along, that Pat Beverly really is underrated on this Clippers team. He probably is the third most important player on this team. That being said, you still have Kawhi and PG, so I don't love the excuse that because Beverly's not there, your defense has to completely fall off the face of the earth. What side do you lean on? Because it's obviously a team effort, and that being said, where you have other guys, when you don't have Pat Beverly, that means you're starting a Reggie Jackson and then you're playing more Lou Williams. You're playing those two guys who don't have it defensively like Pat Beverly does. Yeah, I think for I think in terms of Pat Beverly, I think a lot of times we misconstrue being a pest with being a stopper. And I think Pat Bev is more of a pest than a stopper. And yes, that's a very valuable asset to have. And you know, it's noticeable, maybe not at the beginning of a game, but throughout the course of a game, he just makes little plays that will frustrate a team offensively. But with that being said, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, arguably two top five defenders, that's still plenty enough for you to get the job done against, you know, any perimeter um, offense. So, yes, to your point, I agree that that gives no excuse. I don't think that Pat Beverly's absence should should bear that much weight because these two guys are superstars on both ends of the court and they have to play accordingly. I'll admit I wasn't looking at this game, looking at the matchups intently every single time down, but it really did seem to me that Luka was not defended by PG and Kawhi that much. And I think that's an adjustment maybe that Doc is going to make for game three. I understand that you don't want to wear them out on the defensive end, but I feel like if you stop Luka, and you're not going to stop him, if you slow him down and you put a guy like Reggie Jackson, for example, on a... Dorian Finney-Smith. I understand that's a matchup that you don't love, but at the same time, Dorian Finney-Smith most likely 
tell me if I'm wrong, is not going to take you from the perimeter to the basket that easily. He's more of a shooter. And so if you're able to slow down Luka with a PG and Kawhi, that might be your best bet. I, I agree. And and one thing they have to be careful about as they've kind of tried to defend him in these first two games, another thing that's starting to happen is there's a confidence level that, that starts to continuously rise. Mm-hmm. And that's a tricky, that's a tricky element to deal with because a, a guy like him who's in his first his first playoff series may be a little unsure about what's gonna happen or how things are gonna look. He starts seeing the ball go through the basket, he starts seeing coverages that he can take advantage of. He starts seeing that he's continuously getting past guys who are supposed to be able to stop him. That does nothing but fuel his confidence and gives him even more, even more incentive to do what he's continuously done all year, which is just dominate getting getting into the paint. So if if there's a statement game to be made, it will definitely need to be next game because you can't go any further than that with him having the success he's had the first and, two games. And you also got to be careful if you're the Clippers not to get those guys into foul trouble. It's really a tough line to walk because you want to slow down Luka with your two best defenders. But at the same time, you don't want to have a game like today where PG didn't have a field goal, I don't think, for I don't think he scored in the first quarter. I mean, the first half. I could be wrong. I didn't think he had a field goal in the first half. Either way, he was not very good, and he had three fouls, and so he got into foul trouble, and we saw a complete different side with Dallas when Luka got into foul trouble. You would have thought when Luka got into foul trouble that they would fall apart when he wasn't on the floor, and frankly, last game in game one, when Luka went to the back to get taped up, Dallas made their comeback then. It's very different how the Clippers seem to struggle when they don't have a guy like Pat Beverly on the floor or a guy like PG on the floor because he's in foul trouble, while Dallas doesn't seem to be phased when someone like Luka is off the floor. That's the difference right now, I think, between these two teams. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think I think to add the, to that, I think some of tonight with Paul George is the fact that he got in foul trouble early and it just kind of threw him off of his rhythm. And I'm, I'm sure the playoff P jokes will be flying on mm-hmm. Twitter tonight. So hopefully he stays away from that. But overall, I, I, I definitely see that Dallas continues to run their system no matter who's on. I, th- I think one of the one of the things that's different from when Luca's on the floor versus he is on the floor, they do a lot more pick and roll action where they're trying to get him in a mismatch with different guys. But when he's off the floor, they rely a little more on ball movement, man movement, a little bit more cutting to get guys open shots. But Trey Burke was huge. I mean, he's another guy who, like I said, he can just be a spark plug off the bench. He comes off the bench, hits three to four threes in a game. That can com- that can change the, com- the complexion of a game immediately. And then you couple that with Seth Curry, who came off the bench, to also be another person in tandem. I mean, that type of firepower to consistently have that match with the fact that the Clippers just couldn't buy a bucket. I mean, Dallas is, Dallas is like I said, they're – offense is their defense they're gonna they're gonna continue to put pressure on you on the offensive end and you have to get stops the Clippers missed a lot of open shots today I mean they missed a lot there was one moment late in the game I think the Clippers were down 10 with a couple minutes left and they got the ball to Paul George for a wide open three and if you would have made it it would have been a seven point game with like 215 left or something and that would have been a close game I mean you would have had Dallas tighten up a little bit they have like you said in our podcast last week this team does seem to tighten up late in games, and that could have happened, but the Clippers just aren't making their shots. And 
it's funny because we're really going all over the place with this one. And I think it's deservedly so because there's so many different things that occurred in this game that stand out. You look at the Dallas bench, which is obviously the key. The Clippers didn't get enough from Paul George. He was four of 17, two for 10 from three. That's not going to cut it. He's normally not going to go two for 10 from three as well because he had a lot of open looks. I mean, you could even go now to the center minutes for the Clippers. We talked about Zoo and how well he had done against Dallas. And what does he do today? Three points, four rebounds, only plays 18 minutes. The Clippers can't succeed in my opinion, when Zoo is only playing 18 minutes in a game because he's so good defensively. And I think Porzingis may have played him off the floor in this game. And that you and I talked about maybe Jermichael Green getting more minutes. He played 17, or rather he played 12, and he was a minus 21 in those 12 minutes. Nothing seemed to work. Yeah, and, and he's another guy who's just been inconsistent in general. We know what we're supposed to get, what we're supposed to get from Zoo. But, you know, he, he's, a, he's a guy who's like that. Like, he shows up big one game, and then you, you're scratching your head the next game. But and, and the, to add to that, Porzingis didn't even have a great game today. I yeah. mean, he came in, he played well, he played energetic, he, he made his presence felt. But by his standards, I mean, a guy who's averaging 30 and 10 in the bubble, he definitely was not that guy tonight. So that is, that's, that is concerning to see him struggle that way you know, at a time where Porzingis wasn't even clicking on all center cylinders. So he will definitely have to be better in his assignments. I think some of the, I think they were just, the Clippers just looked out of rhythm all to, all together. And part of that is due to the fact that they've just had everlasting lineups. I mean, they haven't had their full team, not even 20 games. They're still experimenting with different things. And a lot of it, it just looks like face value without being able to get into the, the X's and O's of things, it looks like they're just relying on talent because they have shot makers. But they don't look like they're definitive in what they want to go to in certain situations in the game. So um, so that also plays into Dallas's favor as well because as many chances they get on offense, as many chances they get to put up shots, that's just more opportunity to, to, to get, get points on the board. And if they can do that continuously – more times than not, they'll get shots to fall. Yeah, Dallas did look more like a team today. And the other side with Zoo is then you look at Montrez Harrell. And he didn't play a ton in his first game. He goes and plays 21 minutes today. He had 10 points. He was 3 of 4 from the field, but he was 4 of 10 from the free throw line. And he was a minus 15 in 21 minutes. And he didn't look all that good either. And you mentioned the Clippers not being healthy. And here's the thing. And we discussed it last week. For Doc, this is such a tough coaching job because he has so many players that he can go to, and it's about figuring the right group of players and the right rotations, and I feel like he's still figuring that out right now, and it's tough to do against a team like Dallas who will make you play, make you pay if you don't play a good game, and right now for Doc, he's got to figure out these rotations quickly, and it's not helping that these guys are not staying healthy. Absolutely. I mean, with with Montrez just getting back, he's not in rhythm. Pat Bev in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, you got Kawhi and Paul George who are going to be there every game. But yeah, some of these key guys that they need have to be there every game so they can either establish a role or be able to or be able to be there so Doc Rivers can properly evaluate who should and who should not be in the game, as opposed to Rick Carlisle, who knows exactly who he wants to play. And and tip of the cap to him for playing Delon Wright today. Sneaky good game, a guy who should he, who should definitely earn more minutes in this series as a longer defender, a guy who can switch off on different players. 
a, a really good rebounder for for the guard position. I think that is that's key for them. And uh, one thing that I've been saying on on the Hoop Ball Mavs podcast is even though these guys, the Mavericks, lack star power, their role players have played at a high level all year, and they should get credit for that. And I mean, as a seventh seed, that's as good as you're going to get with some of these guys being, you know, B and C level players. But they've all filled their role throughout the year. And today was a, a big indication of that because you got a little bit of something from almost everybody that got on the court. Even Bobin came in. He had 10 points and eight rebounds in the first half. I mean, that is ridiculous productivity for a guy who's playing limited minutes. And the, and the Clippers don't have an answer for him. So they literally know that. And it opened up open lanes for people to get open shots and for um, opportunities for Bobin in the middle of the paint. So, yeah, I think the Clippers are definitely, you know, I wouldn't say they're having an identity crisis. That's a little too strong to say. But I think it's definitely one of those things where you're still tinkering at a time that needs to have very established um, roles and rotations. And I saw on Twitter that it really seemed that every single time Zoo went out and Trez came in, that's when Boban came in, knowing that he could go up against Trez and Zoo more likely would be able to defend him. So Carlisle played that perfectly, knowing that Doc was not going to bring back Zoo and he was going to ride with Trez. So Rick Carlisle coached a really good game today. And you bring up DeLon Wright. He had two steals. One he had late in the game where the Clippers thought they had a rebound, and DeLon just poked the ball away and grabbed it. Two rebounds, three assists. He had three points in 16 minutes, but a pivotal role, like you said. And I mean, the star of the show, obviously, was Seth Curry and what he did off the bench, six of nine. He was a plus 30, like we said, 15 minutes. Luka, 28 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. It really was a team effort for Dallas, and they all came to play while the Clippers just really struggled to find themselves in this game. I really think it's that simple. I mean, Marcus Morris was very good last game. He had another good game, 14 points, eight rebounds, and two steals, and he was a plus four in this game. So Marcus Morris so far has been the Clippers' probably second best player behind Kawhi Leonard in the first two games. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I think some of this also can be attributed to, you know, the Clippers, they're they're supposed to win this series. And when you have that type of pressure on you, the the we're supposed to win, everything just feels a little tighter. Every jump shot feels a little more crucial. Every defensive rotation feels a little more necessary. And I think the Dallas Mavericks are playing with house money and they're just going going out to play I mean they're just letting it fly they're playing loose and free and you can even see it in the Clippers body language on some of the fouls that they took I mean there was one time in the first half Montrez got fouled and Bobin tried to help him up and he didn't want any part of Bobin trying to help him up and I think that's all part of the I can't believe these guys are are sticking with us I think you see that type of body language and it's a tale of yeah you know we should not be down to these guys or we shouldn't be having this much problems with a number seven seed, but all seven seeds aren't created equal in the bubble as we see. I mean, Portland's giving the Lakers issues. I mean, you look around the league, I mean, the Nets barely lost to the Raptors today, not to get in a roundup of NBA basketball, but Mm -hmm. you just look around and you can just see that, you know, it's not the same as if you're just playing in hostile environment. These guys are feeling very confident in these games going into the bubble. And because of that, you can go over to my bookie and you can bet on these underdogs and win some money. I mean, my bookie sports are back. And you know what that means for my bookie? It means that it's with my bookie. You bet, you win, 
and they pay up to the minute odds. You can follow the game as it's going live in-game betting. Yesterday, I was following the Laker game as the Lakers fell behind by about 10. It was Lakers plus one and a half. I said, you know what? That might be a decent line. And so you look at it and you think, hey, that's probably going to be easy money. Not the case as Portland went on to win that game. But my bookie has a place where you can go and bet on all different sports, whether it's the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, MLB going on, NFL right around the corner, Champions League final is on Saturday. All different sports that you can bet on. And Lawrence, they just do a great job of making sure that the customer is taken care of. I mean, they do a fantastic job. And you know what they do? They say, you know what? We'll match your deposit 100% plus we'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wage. It's a MLB future wager. It's impressive what they're doing. Can't beat that. Can't beat that at all. We all love money. We all love sports. So what is a better way to combine the two? And all all you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That's the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Let's look ahead to game three. And now we are tied at one apiece. This is now a five-game series, a best out of five. What do you think the Clippers need to do to adjust? Because I think it's an easy answer on the Mavs side. Just continue playing the way you played today and get your role players contributing. And something that the Clippers could not get today. I mean, you look at Dallas, by the way. They're bench players with a plus-minus. We talked about Seth Curry, and he was plus 30. Bobon plus 12. Trey Burke, plus 2. So those three guys, and of course the starters, were pretty good as well. Luka, plus 11. And plus 14 for Maxi. But then you look at the Clippers, and they're bench guys. Lou Williams had 23 points in, eight, in 31 minutes. But you look at Trez, minus 15. Shamit, minus 12. Jermichael Green, minus 21. It's the bench that really was not good for the Clippers. What do you think the biggest adjustment needs to be for Doc Rivers going into game three? I think one of the biggest adjustments is, I I don't even think it's necessarily an adjustment on his part. Well, for one, I do think he should try getting the ball out of Luka hands at least a little bit. I, I know it's against his principles, but at this point, you can't let pride you know, ride you off into the sunset, especially if Luca continues to have success. So first and foremost, I think they should try some different coverages on him just to see if it works. It, it may not work and you may need to go back to what you're normally doing, but that would be the first thing I would do. Second of all, I think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have to make a more concerted effort to keep him out of the paint. Wall him off, make him show, make him see two defenders coming off the pick and roll and make him have to kick it to a swing it to another guy. Because all it's going to do is put them in foul trouble. I mean, that's one of the things about those two guys being so long is that normally they're playing against perimeter guys and against point guards in particular. And maybe it's a six-two-six-three guy, and he's just not as long. And so, you know, these, these ticky-tack fouls that they're picking up is just because Luca's a big frame. So it shows up when you reach across a guy that big. And so when you have a situation like that, you have to just make it be a situation where, look, we're going to keep him in front of us. That's all we can do. And then on the flip side of that for Doc Rivers, I just think Montrez, whatever you're going to get out of him is just what you're going to get out of him. We, we spoke about him in, um, in our first pod in terms of what he can provide coming into the bubble for a guy who had no practice, no scrimmages, no, um, no seating games. 
and he's just playing off of raw emotion and basketball talent at this moment. And so that's going to be key to see how much more up to speed he can get because in these first two games, you know he's out there, but it's not like, oh, my God, Montrez is making a difference. In most games, he is a, he's a guy who's on the plus side in the, in the um, scorebooks. But tonight he was in the negative. I can't remember if he was in the negative in the first game, but it couldn't have been too high even if he was in the positive. And so his energy, effort, and intensity just doesn't show up with the eye test right now. So if, if, they, can't get, if, if they can't get the mantras that they've grown accustomed to getting, that's going to be a problem, and there's no real adjustment for that because their team is built off of that, and that's how they've had success all year. That means you need to probably play Zoo more minutes. I think you need to get him up to 22, 24 minutes. you got to get your Michael Green going. But my biggest takeaway from your takeaways – for looking ahead to game three is that it seemed like it was very much Clippers need to adjust defensively to the Mavericks. And what's interesting to me about that, Lawrence, is that the Clippers adjusting to Dallas, not Dallas adjusting to the Clippers. The Clippers are letting Dallas dictate offensively. And for the Clippers, you need to be more assertive offensively. You need to be the ones that attack Dallas. You need to be the ones that get Dallas on its heels. You can't be the ones sitting back and be the ones that have to continue to make adjustments. Dallas has to play your game. you got to have the energy from the bench. you got to have your guys like Kawhi Leonard and PG being dominant offensively. you got to get Dallas afraid of what you can do offensively, and if you don't do that and you allow Dallas to stay st- settled in offensively and get comfortable, then this very well could be an upset if you don't start to figure things out and become the aggressor and not the one that continues to make adjustments. 100%. And, um, and I mean, tonight, Paul George played a really bad game. Yeah. And, you know, that happens, in, that happens in the playoffs. Clearly, they can't have that from their second star. I don't, think that he's, I don't think that you'll see that much from him at all, maybe not even anymore in this series, just based on the fact that Dallas's defense isn't that great. But one thing about Dallas that, that they're able to do, if they're able to make shots, they can get back on defense and set up. And so a lot of times that's just half the battle is just getting back on defense and locating your assignment. If they can do that, they will be in good shape because they're good at just being able to say, hey, OK, we're set. We're going to communicate and we'll just, you know, we'll, we will try to bother people defensively, although we know we're not going to necessarily be this big defensive stopper team. But for the Clippers, they can't go into game three saying, oh, you know, at some point they'll miss shots. No. Dallas has played all year to shoot. This is they're in a complete comfort zone. And if you're not going to make any adjustments in that regard, they're just going to continue shooting. And, and at the rate it's going, they will continue to make shots as well. And like I said, confidence is a tricky, is a tricky element to play with. You don't want to give this team too much confidence. You already got Luca and KP, but you start letting Seth get going, Trey get going, Dorian Finney Smith makes a few shots. Now you're in. Now you're in for a war. So, it, so in game three, they kind of have to turn off the water, so to speak, and start to take a little more pride in the fact that we can't let Luca be the engine that's that stirs everything up and causes us so much chaos. Yeah, and you got to force more turnovers. Dallas with only nine turnovers, that's got to be better. The defense, I think, just has to be better for the Clippers, and you have to slow down the Dallas offense as much as we say. The Clippers have to dictate the tempo. I think for the Clippers, it's going to start on the defensive end. If you're able to slow down Luka and you're able to get the stops on the defensive end and get your team running and 
pass the ball around the horn and find the open shooter and find Zoo and Trez down low, you'll be better off, I think, for game number three. Absolutely. Um, I think it all, like, it's, it all starts on the defensive end. They will be fine offensively. They have enough shot makers to, to win ball games, But defensively, they don't look like the same team. And just like we spoke about Pat Beverly, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the, the, the record shows they have a losing record when he's not playing. Mm. And that's extremely strange. It's, it's beyond analytics. But it's very clear, no matter how you want to you know, slice it, he's a, a, a big part of what they do defensively. And if he's not out there, someone has to take the responsibility. And, and if that has to be Paul George and Kawhi at all times, that's exactly why you brought two guys like that in here it's championship or nothing and at this point when you have when you have to assume more responsibility it's just it is what it is that's what stars have to do i'd like to see the clippers start landry shamit if bev is out for game three i'd like to see the clippers start landry shamit he's a better defender than reggie jackson and i think that will help and you'll be able to put him on luca just like you did against in steph curry last year when Landry did a really good job on Steph, I think Landry is up to that task, at least try to try and slow down Luka for a couple of possessions. So we'll see if Doc perhaps goes to that and has Landry play the role of point guard and allows Paul George and Kawhi to have the ball in their hands to start possessions more often. That, I think, is going to be the biggest adjustment for me. Anything else you want to hit on before we go? Um, nope. I think that, I think that about does it. Um, you know, shout out to Seth Curry and, and Trey Burke and Boban. I mean, all three of those guys played so well. I, and, and the good thing about it is they won by double digits tonight, which lets me know you didn't even need all three of them to play at such a high level. It could have just been one of those guys and they still win by five, six or seven. So confidence is a tricky thing. I think all it is, it just takes for those guys to see the ball go through the basket, but you know, Doc Rivers has some adjustments to make, and I think Dallas is sitting in the driver's seat in terms of what they want to accomplish. I think they've gotten everything they've wanted so far, and if that continues, that's going to push this game from five, six to maybe seven to seven games. Yep, a monster game two win for Dallas. Give them all the credit, a 127 to 114 win. Game number three will be on Friday at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. You can follow the Hoopball Clippers podcast at Hoopball Clips. You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. Lawrence Brooks at Hoopball Mavs. And also it's at LB Said It, right? Absolutely. So there you go. L-B-S-A-I-D, like, hey, he said, and then it. So at LB Said It is his Twitter handle. And I'll be back on Sunday to review game four and hopefully – We'll have Justin Wilson of L.A. Clippers Film on the podcast once again to break down what's going on in this series. Lawrence, are you going to go on Friday or are you going to probably go after game number four? I'll probably do the same thing, go after game number four, because uh, it'll, be a good, it'll be a good way to let it digest and, and bring it all together for, for, uh, for a nice Sunday meal, so to speak, of a pod. There you go. Rate and review the podcast. Give us that five-star rating. Review the podcast. It does help both of our podcasts get more popular. And the more people that listen, the happier we will be. He's Lawrence. I'm Brandon. The series is all tied up at one. We go to game three on Friday. Until then, thank you for listening. Lawrence, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, doing this again. Absolutely. Very, very much so a pleasure. Shout out to Hoopball. 
uh, Mav, shout out to Hootball Clips. Thank you guys for listening. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next time. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.